I have been preaching a series of messages. This is just my philosophy for life, folks. I want to I want to end my life by living this way. It's not about me. I, I want to end my life realizing that if I give flowers to other people, it leaves a fragrance in my hands. That it's not about me. I want to live my life realizing it's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about us. It's about him. That's what I want to preach about right up through Easter, that it's it's all about him. And by the way, Easter ought to be a good reminder it's all about him, right? It ought to be a good reminder that it's all about him. And so today we come to message number two. I want you to take your Bible to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to look there. Then we're going to look at a verse in uh, Isaiah. But Genesis chapter 22 says this as we're preaching about some of the names of God. Notice what it says. It says, and Abraham, remember Abraham, he was the friend of God. All the Jewish people can trace their roots right back to Abraham. It all began with him. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now I want you to look at the book of Isaiah. This is a powerful verse. It says, but I will reveal my name to my people. I think that's what he's doing. But I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know its power. Then at last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. Basically, he's saying they've got to come to, mo- come to know my name that they can really know the power that's in my name. That they really can. Folks, I want to talk to you about his name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jehovah Jireh. You know, I read a story one time about a man and woman who woke up and a gunman was standing over their bed, literally had a gun on them, and they, they awoke to that. And he said, I need all your money and I need all of your jewels. I need all of your valuables. And the husband said, they're right there in the closet. They go and the guy goes in the closet, gets all the valuables, and he's getting ready to leave. And he says, Let me tell you, I've kind of got a tradition. Pulled a knife out, and he said, I always, after I get the valuables, I always cut the throats of the people that I'm robbing. But he said, Before I cut the throats, I always ask their names. So he looked at the woman, and he said, What is your name? She said, It's Elizabeth. And it got his attention. He said, My mother's name was Elizabeth. And I could tell he just got sentimental. And he couldn't cut her throat. He said, I just can't do it. And then he came to the husband and he said, what's your name? He said, my name is Tom, but my friends call me Elizabeth. (laughs) Here in Western culture, names doesn't carry as much significance. But you got to understand something. In the Middle East, names carried great significance. Literally, when they would name a child in the Middle Eastern culture, they was naming a child, they was given a name, and the meaning of that name was the potential or what they had positioned that child to become in life. In the Middle East, many times, they wouldn't name a child to eight days. It was up to the time of circumcision. So they would even give a child a name because they wanted to look at the personality of that child and form a name from the personality that they viewed. Now, the Hebrew name, ladies and gentlemen, for God is Yahweh. Yahweh. 
Literally translated in English, it's the word Jehovah. It's 6,823 times in your Bible. I told you. How do I know when I see the word Yahweh? Well, you, you, I'm, I assume you don't read Hebrew. Perhaps you do. But if you don't read Hebrew and you read English, it will always be in caps. When you see the word Lord in caps, it's literally the word Yahweh or the English word Jehovah, self-existing one. But what I want you to understand, Yahweh, Jehovah, has many compound names. What I'm talking about compound names, I'm talking about a name that's composed of two elements. It's kind of like if we mention salt, it's composed of actually two poisons, sodium and chlorine. It's compound. So as we study the names of God, God has many compound names. And one of those we're going to look at today, it's the name Jehovah Jireh, it literally means the Lord will provide, or it means he sees ahead. See, before you know that you need it, he sees it. For every problem you have, he's got a solution. For, for every task or everything that, that he's called you to do that you can't really understand, he's already provided provision. See, he sees it. He goes before us. He is the Lord who provides. There's a preacher, a great preacher, his name's Tony Evans. Great preacher. And Tony Evans said in the early days he almost got out of the ministry. He said, the reason why I was going to Bible college and he said I was struggling because I was trying to work and provide for a family and trying to go to Bible college. And he said, my wife Lois said, Tony, I wish you would drop out of college. I wish you'd just work and provide for the family. I don't know about this thing preaching. And Tony said to her, Lois, what would it take for you to be convinced that God wants me to do this? She said, just to be honest, Tony, $500. That's what it would take, simply $500. Tony said, I prayed. And he said, the next day, literally, in the mailbox, there was a note from a man named John. And John said in the card, the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do this. I don't know why, but the Lord told me to do this. And there was five $100 bills. And Lois said, preach on, Tony, preach on. <laughs> you say, Pastor, do you have any problem with the story? I don't have any problem with the story, folks, because I believe and I have lived and I've experienced that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. The Lord who provides. Now, here's what I want you to see. This word, Jehovah Jireh, it's the first compound name used of God. The first compound name. And it's only mentioned one time, and it's here in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. 
So to really understand this text, folks, and I want you to understand it. I want you to listen, listen, be closely. When you come to church, when you come to God's house, we ought to worship God just like we did in every one of our campuses. It's not about anything other than worshiping God. Get this down. If the song was more about you than it was about him, you didn't worship God. No, no. It's got to be about him. It's got to be about him. We worship God, and then we get the word of God. It's not how God delivers it. It matters not if he's loud. It matters not if he's soft. It matters not if he's ugly or extremely good-looking like me. None of that matters. All matters is he sharing the word of God or is she sharing the word of God. That's what we need more than anything else, folks. We need the Word of God. That's what you need. The only thing that's going to change your life is the Word of God. The only thing that's going to change your life. That's what you need, folks. No, no, no. We, we need the Word of God. It bothers me when somebody preaches a little bit and people go to shaking Mickey Mouse. No, no, no. We need the Word of God. No, no. We need the Word of God. We're not awful careful, folks. We'll have a bunch of Christ, Christianettes that want to hear a sermonette from a preacherette because they want to get in the kitchenette and smoke a cigarette. But we need, we need more than that. We need more than a sermonette. We need the Word of God. We need something that's going to stick to us, change our lives. Now, here's what I want you to see the context. First of all, of this, of this Jehovah Jireh, the first thing I want you to see, I want you to see the miracle births, the miracle births. Now, keep in mind, Abraham's 100 years old. <laughs> Sarah is 90. Amen? I mean, pre-Viagra days. 100 years old. She's 90. And God gives them a baby. Believe what you want to believe. But it's a miracle. Believe what you want to believe, but it was a miracle. Now, there's a parallel. There's a parallel in this story. Because there was a virgin, Mary, who God said is going to have a baby. And God's the father. There are people who are whispering and the rumors they're running wild. There's a woman who's not married, but she's going to have a child. She's a virgin from down in Nazareth. She's a virgin from down in Nazareth. A virgin. She's going to marry a man named Joseph, but the baby's father is the Holy Ghost. It was a miracle birth. It was a parallel it's, it's, it's woven into the Scripture. Now, God told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a baby. 25 years later, they had the promised child. I want you to see the miracle birth, but I want you to see the message for life. What is the message for life? Keep in mind, Abraham and Sarah are 190, and they have this boy. They name him Isaac. And when he gets 20 years old, God says, I want you to take your son to Mount Moriah and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. I want you to take your son 
and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Here's amazing, folks. Abraham had been following the Lord for a while. He'd been following the Lord almost 50 years when God told him to do this. And here's what I want you to understand. If you live for the Lord, he's going to ask for your Isaac. If you live for the Lord, he's going to take you out of your comfort zone. If you live long enough for the Lord, everything and everybody that you put your confidence in will fail you. If you live long enough for the Lord, everything and everybody that you put your confidence in will fail you because God ultimately wants you to look to him and not to anybody else. He wants to be the source for your life. He wants to be the source. But what he's going to do, let me tell you, ma'am, what he's going to do in your life. He's going to ask for your Isaac. And let me tell you what he's done in my life. He's asked for my Isaac. He's asked for my Isaac many times because he wants to be my security and not anything else. Now, here's what I want you to see. Look what Genesis 22 and 9 says. And he came to a place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the wood. Now, keep in mind, the wood is symbolic of the cross at Calvary. Put the wood on Isaac, it's symbolic of the cross. I'm not real smart, folks, but I'm smart enough to realize this. If Abraham was 120 and Isaac was only 20, the 120-year-old man could not manhandle the 20-year-old. You know what that tells me? That 20-year-old had to say to Daddy, no, Daddy, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do this. You know what Jesus said in Philippians 2 and 8? And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Nobody took his life. He willingly gave his life. He willingly gave his life, ladies and gentlemen, for every one of us. See, I see the miracle births. I see the message for life. But I see the meaningful death. Look at Genesis 22 and 2. Look what the Bible says. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. See, folks, when I read that verse, I didn't see that verse. I saw John 3, 16. that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, if you've been to Israel with me, I take you to Moriah. I take you to the Temple Mount. That's, by the way, where Moriah is, was. Because when you go to the Temple Mount, according to 2 Chronicles 3 and 1, Mount Moriah is where Solomon built his temple. Mount Moriah is where they offered up Old Testament sacrifices. And you got to understand, Mount Moriah and Calvary is the same mountain. So when God was saying to Abraham, you offer your son on Mount Moriah, it was the very same place where he knew that he was going to offer his son for our sins. Now here's amazing, folks. You say, well, how was Abraham able to do this? 
He was guided by God's word. Because Abraham understood something. Genesis 13 and 16, get this. I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Abraham knew that God had promised to bless his seed. And he said, God, you're telling me to sacrifice my son. And it don't make sense. But your word, at your word, I'm going to obey you. Let me tell you something, folks. We need to obey God and leave the consequences to him. Just obey God and leave the consequences to him. You say, but Brother Benny, what are you saying? It may not be good. Let me, let me say something. If, you're, if it's not good for you right now, if what you're walking through right now is not good, you obey God because it will be good. If what you're walking through is not good, you obey God because it will be good. God said, and all things work together for good to them that love God. If it's not good, you just obey him and it will be good. I see the miracle births. <laughs> I see the message for life. I see the meaningful death. But I want to, I want to give you the last one. I see the miraculous resurrection. I see the miraculous resurrection. God said, uh, Abraham, I want you to put your son on the altar. Now, understand something, folks. As far as Abraham was concerned, that boy was dead. Because God said, you offer him. As far as Abraham was concerned, my son's dead. It's kind of like when I was growing up. I mean, I had a stepfather, and he would say to me, Benny, I'm going to whip you when you get home. When we get home, I'm going to wear you out. He was patriotic. He believed in the stars and the stripes. He put on the stripes, and I saw the stars. He said, I'm going to wear you out. He'd take me to the woodshed, and they'd be bloodshed. He said, I'm going to wear you out. But let me tell you something. When he told me, it was done. It was as good as done because he said it. Now, get this down. When God said to Abraham, offer your son as far as he was concerned, he's dead. Now, let me tell you something. Somebody said, Brother Benny, did God have a plan B when it came to Jesus I don't care what anybody teaches you. There was never a plan B. Revelation 13 and 8 said the cross was from the foundations of the earth. When God created the foundations of this earth, ladies and gentlemen, he knew that his son was going and hanging on a cross. So I want you to understand something. In Abraham's heart... And in God the Father's heart, the sons were dead. The sons were dead. But I want you to see something. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men. Folks, nothing's coincidental in the Bible. The reason why he said two, there was a thief on the right, there was a thief on the left. That's who died with Jesus. Two Young men. And Isaac, his son, 
and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God had, had told him. Now, get this down. Then on the third day, <laughs> oh, glory be to God. <laughs> no, 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 no. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Folks, I say today, thank God there was a third day. Amen. Thank God there was a third day. How long had Abraham's son been dead? He'd been dead in his heart three days. But on the third day, he got resurrected. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, they buried Jesus in a borrowed tomb. Hell had a party. But on the third day, he arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> now, 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 get this down, folks. God provided provision. Oh, thank God God provided provision for us. Look what Genesis chapter 22 says. I, I, I'm excited. I'm going to buy this CD. Now look. <laughs> and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took his knife to slay the son. But the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> he said, here am I. Lay not thy hand upon thy lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I knowest thou fearest God. God's going to ask for your Isaac. God's going to ask for your Isaac. No, no, no. That's not the happy clappy group. That's not the name it, claim it, believe it, receive it, health and wealth, blab it and grab it. No, no, no. That's not that group. It's biblical when God may just ask for your Isaac. God may just ask for your Isaac. I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Well, Lord, behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. He said, Lord, you provided a ram for my son. You provided a ram. You provided a lamb. Folks, I'm grateful that the Lord provided a lamb for me. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as is said unto this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. What's Jireh mean? It means he sees ahead. I love what Vance Havner said. He said, all my days, I've been aware of one going before me and with me of doors ajar that I never could have opened. Now, here's what I want you to get. I'm almost done. That may be stretching it. <laughs> Abraham felt that he was going to have to kill his son. He felt that he was going to kill his son. You said, Pastor, you don't know that. Yes, I do. Because Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, he said, we're going to go worship. But he said, and we will come again. Well, that doesn't make sense. Wait, Pastor. Wait, you're confusing me. 
You're telling me he said he, was, he felt like he was going to kill his son, but he also felt like he and the son was going to come back. Uh, that's an oxymoron, Pastor. It, I mean, that's, that's, that's an oxymoron. What, what is that? It's two words that don't go together. It's uh, jumbo shrimp, <laughs> crash landing, <laughs> Georgia football. Just don't go together. Wait, wait. It, it don't make sense. But, but, but it does make sense because, folks, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got you've to put Scripture with Scripture. And look what the Hebrews tells us. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up, offered up Isaac that he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence he had received him in like figure. What did Abraham believe? Ladies and gentlemen, he believed that he was going to kill his son but God was going to resurrect him up. <laughs> he believed that he was going to slay his son and sacrifice his son, but God was going to resurrect him up on the spot. God showed me something this week, folks, that I've never noticed before. I've never noticed before. See, folks, when Abraham saw that ram, he rejoiced in the provision that God had provided for his son. When he saw that ram, he rejoiced in the provision that God had provided for his son. But Sister Pam, his rejoicing went deeper because look what John says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Wait. Rejoice. Jesus is saying these words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Wait. Paraphrase it, Brother Benny. He saw the ram, and he rejoiced that God had made provision for Isaac. But he saw the ram. And he saw Jesus, and he rejoiced that God made provision for him. And God made provision for you and me. God made provision for every one of us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is that God that provides. T.W. Wilson said, God Almighty wouldn't let a Christian starve to death even if he had to put the angels on half rations for 12 months. If I've signed something for you, if somebody said, Pastor, will you sign my Bible? And I've signed thousands and I've signed books. But if I really signed it, if you look close, right down below it will be Psalms 37 and 25 because this is the verse. I've been young, and now I'm old. I've, I've lived long enough to live that out. I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. 
Barbara and I have lived by Philippians 4 and 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've lived my life believing that if it's God's will, it's God's bill. I've lived my life believing that God would bankrupt heaven if it took that to meet my need. I've lived my life that where God guides, he provides, and where God leads, he succeeds. I've lived my life believing he's Jehovah Jireh. I've lived my life, God, believing that he'll provide for us, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what. No matter what, no matter what. Helen Rosevere was a missionary to Zaire. This wonderful medical missionary served there for 20 years. And this is the story she told. She said, a mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to imp improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. So we asked the children to pray for the baby and her sister. One of the little small girls said, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, Send a doll for her sister so she won't feel so lonely. That afternoon, a large package came from England. The children watched eagerly as, eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. <laughs> Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, saying, if God sent that, I'm sure also he sent a doll. And she was right. The Heavenly Father knew in advance of that child's sincere request. And five months earlier, he'd led a group of ladies to include both of those specific items. Ladies and gentlemen, I've lived for him all these years. I've lived for him all these years. And I'm convinced he is Jehovah Jireh. He is that God who provides. I want you to do something and I'm done. I want you to think of what you need. I want you to think of what you need relationally. I want you to think of what you need emotionally. I want you to think of what you need financially. I want you to think of what you need physically. Just in the theater of your mind, I want you to think about what you need because we all need something. And then we ask the question, can God give me that? And I believe if God would respond, he would respond to us with Romans 8 and 32. This is what it says. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not by him freely give us all things? Say, God, can you give me this? Can you give me that? This is what I think God is saying. Oh. What was hard for me to give for you? I gave 2,000 years ago. I gave my son on a cross for you. And if I can give my son for your sins, 
I can certainly give you everything you need because I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Jireh. Napoleon Bonaparte went to a party one night, a great military leader. He saw another man. That man said, my name's Napoleon too. But Napoleon Bonaparte knew that that man's character was deplorable. He knew that man's reputation was bad. And Napoleon Bonaparte looked that man in the eye and he said, I'll tell you what, you either change your name or you change your character. Because he said, you're not worthy of the name Napoleon. I don't know if that man was worthy of his name or not. But I can tell you this, I've come to realize that the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, is worthy of his name. He's worthy of his name. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. I say, I say, I say, there's nobody like him. Because ladies and gentlemen, he is worthy of his name. He's so worthy of his name. I wish I had time. I don't have time. I wish I could take you through all my Christian life and how he's provided, how he's provided, how he's provided, he's provided. And I just stand in awe and I say, you're Jehovah Jireh and you're worthy to be praised. You're Jehovah Jireh and you're worthy to be praised. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sins. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.